what does the future of the restaurant industry look like? And by that, I mean, what does next week look like and next month? But also, what does it look like a year from now or five or 10 years down the road? It's all I can think about anymore, and I'm sure it's the same with many of you. And so on this week's episode, I want to do something I love to do. I want to simplify that question to something we can wrap our heads around. I've been thinking about the future of restaurants in three distinct phases. Stick around, because today I'm going to break it all down, give you a different way of thinking about this crisis, and perhaps a roadmap for coming out of it stronger than ever before. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. Each week we discuss the tools, tactics, and strategies that will establish you as a leader in your market. That means doing more covers and driving more revenue. Each week we choose a topic, we pick it apart, we come up with some key insights and then finish up with an assignment. I always leave you with a short actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas we talk about here on the show. Because as I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. If you like the show, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and make sure you're sharing these episodes with the people you work with. So changing the culture in your restaurant begins when you start letting people in, when you, when you show them what it is you're thinking about. I want to start off this week by thanking all of you for tuning in. I know these are difficult times. Uh, If you've decided to temporarily close your restaurant, uh, I'm sure you're struggling with simple issues of cash flow, uh, plus, of course, real concerns about how you'll be able to get back open once this crisis is over. You're not alone, so know that. For everyone else, you've probably pivoted to a takeout model to keep some revenue coming in. Uh, You've kept as many people on payroll as possible and probably had to lay off a whole bunch more. I'm touched that you guys are taking time out of your week to join in on this conversation, taking time out of your week to listen in, so thank you. I started this podcast a little more than a year ago as as a way of helping small business owners. So this has always been a labor of love for me, and, and I keep showing up because you guys keep coming back. I'll remind you that the name of this podcast is Restaurant Strategy. From the start, I've said you need to get clear on what you're trying to do so you can brainstorm and execute a strategy to build a more profitable business. That is more true now than ever before. I'm largely out of work at the moment because all but two of my clients have decided to simply close their doors until the crisis is over. So, I've had to get creative with cash flow as well. Uh, Know that I am not uh, sitting pretty. I am in much the same position as all of you out there, but I'm choosing to respond rather than react. And what I'm doing is taking this time to think deeply about my work, about my clients, and about what the future of our industry looks like. So as promised, I want to get into that because the way I see it, the future of the restaurant industry uh, can really be split into three distinct phases. So phase one, our immediate future. And by that, I mean today, tomorrow, next week. How do we continue to get creative during this shutdown? Phase two, what I call the near future, meaning let's say the next six months. 
How do we reopen our restaurants and welcome patrons back in to put them at ease? How do we do that, especially if the government is still imposing strict social distancing guidelines? How do we pay our bills when we got to remove half the tables in the dining room? And then phase three, finally, right? The after, meaning what happens when we're back up to quote unquote normal? What will we have learned from all of this? So when the restrictions all get lifted, what are we going to do to make our businesses more successful than ever before? So we're going to dig into all three of those areas. But before we do, I think it's worth taking a few minutes to look back because I think the past holds some real insights worth considering as we start looking to the future. Now, restaurants, as we know them, are really just a couple of hundred years old. And in that time, we've seen very little change to the model. That is, people come in, they choose what they want from a menu of offerings, the staff then serve the patrons, and then collect payment at the end. That is the system that was invented in Paris in the 18th century. Of course, in the centuries before that, we had taverns, right? The English taverns and other similar establishments across Europe. Uh, But these were usually connected to boarding houses, right? Hotels and inns. The term room and board comes from this time. You paid for a room and a hot meal. So often way back then in the Renaissance or even before, people traveled by horse or by carriage, and it took a long time to travel relatively short distances. It was impossible to make a day trip out to another town and then get back in time for supper. So you were fed when you arrived and then you stayed overnight. But the food in these taverns was pretty simple, right? And often not very good. You were given a stew or a soup usually, and you ate whatever they gave you. There were no choices. But many believe the first modern restaurant opened in the 18th century in France, specifically in Paris in 1765 by a man named Boulanger, who sold an array of soups, stocks, and broths. Now, it was still a relatively simple menu, but patrons were at least presented with choices, right? Then fast forward to 1782, and I apologize, my French is terrible, uh, but that's when Grand Taverne de Londres opens, and that is probably a better reflection of the modern restaurant as we now know it. A broad and varied menu matched by attentive service in a stylish dining room. It was unlike anything else in the world, and it would be the true beginning of our industry. By the end of the decade, of course, the country was in the throes of the French Revolution. And as legend goes, with all of the nobles and aristocrats losing their heads, the service staff at the palaces all found themselves suddenly unemployed. So chefs, cooks, butlers, nannies, maids, all of them. And so what were they to do? Well, what would you do? You take the marketable skills you have and you try to do something with them. So in the years following, Paris would see an explosion of new restaurants. Chefs who had honed their skills on the country's ruling class could now prepare food for the new French middle class, a group of people eager to taste and try new things. You see, those restaurants, those early restaurants were serving a need. The country's poor had toppled the established class system and carved out a new class for themselves, the middle class. And with the country's wealth more evenly distributed, they now had discretionary income. The chefs and butlers and maids had simply identified a new market that needed to be served. And that is what marketing is all about, right? We don't just do something to do something. We identify a problem that needs solving, and then we craft a specific solution to that problem. So when the restaurant industry was born in France in the 1780s and 90s, it was a bold move. It took innovation and drive. Remember, when we open a new restaurant, it should always be to serve an audience, 
Likewise, when we roll out a new marketing initiative or strategy, it must be tied to a goal. So we don't just want, quote unquote, more covers. We have to get specific and say things like, we need to boost covers on Monday and Tuesday nights by 25%, or we need to up the check average at lunch by $5. Then we brainstorm specific ways to accomplish those specific things. And yeah, maybe that means you'll have a list of 10 or 12 problems to solve, but better to be specific than try to build a strategy around the vague issue of quote unquote boosting revenues. Specificity is key. But in the 200 plus years since the French Revolution, relatively little has changed about the restaurant experience. Think about it. Yes, we've segmented into quick service and casual and fine dining. And yes, we now have takeout and delivery. And sure, we now have restaurants that serve only a set tasting menu or restaurants that sell tickets to dinner instead of taking reservations. But think about it. For the most part, the experience is relatively the same as it was all those years ago. And that's something I want you to keep in the back of your minds as we go through the rest of the episode. We're going to circle back to it. Now, the stats we keep hearing from the experts are that we can expect 30% of the country's restaurants to not come back. One in three restaurants will close permanently in the wake of this pandemic. That is an insane number, and I don't wish that upon anyone. I know that means jobs lost and dreams dashed. But what we're not hearing about are all the new restaurants that I believe will open. I think of all the people on the sidelines, people who have been dying to open a restaurant of their own and just haven't had the right opportunity. They will now have tons of vacant storefronts to choose from. And I believe those restaurants, or at least many of those restaurants, will be built differently than the ones we have now. You see, I agree with many of the experts on this too. Our industry will look wildly different when we get to the other side of this crisis. It's inevitable. We're we're learning too much right now to ignore the wisdom of experience. Think of the cataclysmic events we've lived through just over the past 20 years. Look how much safer things are since 9-11. We learn things and put those lessons directly into practice. Or think of the mortgage industry and, and how different it is now to buy a home and what that's done to home values. And now look at all the things we're learning. First, about the importance of preparedness and, and the need for strong leadership. How will that affect government in the years to come? I look at everyone working remotely, still being productive from home. How many companies will start letting a percentage of their employees work from home? And then, of course, I think of us, our industry. How many restaurants turn their noses up at the idea of offering delivery only to do an about-face during the shutdown of non-essential businesses? What are we learning from this, and how will we apply that knowledge to future endeavors? And of course, more importantly, how do we get there? How do each of us get to that place? Well, let's go back to those three phases we talked about at the top of this episode. Again, phase number one is our immediate future, which means today, tomorrow, next week, how do we continue to get creative during this shutdown? So this is largely what we've been talking about over the past several weeks on this show. It's the pivot that many of you have been doing and the strategic planning that the rest of you are doing so that when you're ready to go, when all clear comes through. For those of you who did the pivot, on the one hand, it was about cash flow, right? Keeping some revenue coming in so you could keep the lights on. You did what you had to do, but you couldn't simply keep doing things the way you'd been doing them. Why? Because restaurants were deemed non-essential and thus forced to shut down except for takeout. So if you wanted to stay open, you had to shift to a different model. You had to reinvent yourself. And the creativity required to pull that off is something you'll want to continue to cultivate. Likewise, 
on the flip side, there are a bunch of restaurant owners that opted out altogether, right? You decided not to bother with takeout, and instead, you closed up shop until the worst had passed. And I hope many of you are taking this time to consider your future. I hope you're starting to think about ways to come out of the stronger. You have to be strategic about what you're doing. So whose problem are you solving? Is your restaurant necessary? Is your restaurant offering something that people can't get anywhere else? If not, I think you're going to be in a world of trouble after this whole thing is over. Marketing, I believe, will be even more important in the new normal. So in the meantime, I hope you're finding your way through this shutdown, right? Phase one is about pivoting to a new model and iterating as you go. Those first weeks might have been good simply because people were excited about the novelty of ordering takeout from you. But as this thing drags on beyond six, seven, eight weeks, I assure you, you will feel a shift. People may become more guarded about their money, unsure of when we'll return to normalcy. Some of those expenses like takeout will get cut from their budget. If you try to fight against that, you will lose. And even if you win out, your customers lose. So keep listening to your patrons and continue to deliver what they need. Don't be afraid to keep trying out new ideas, offering new products, new solutions to your customers' shifting problems. To everyone who decided to shut down, I hope you're using this time to safeguard yourself against something like this in the future. Why were you unable to pivot during this crisis? Is there something you can do to be better prepared for the future? Because remember, we deal with many crises all the time. Here in New York City, a three-day blizzard can kill a month's worth of profits. So if people don't want to come out to eat in a blizzard, they're probably going to want delivery. Start making plans now during this downtime to be able to offer that in the future. We're also hearing reports on the news that this thing may come back again next winter, and you better believe that we're going to get shut down all over again, and you may not have the luxury of simply closing down again for that. Plan now for the worst in the future. That's phase one as I see it, right? This time right now where we're all just trying to keep our heads above water, keep getting creative, keep iterating, keep shifting and evolving during this time. Next then is phase two, in my opinion, the trickiest of the three phases. This is probably the next six to nine months. And the question is, how do we reopen our restaurants while the government is still imposing strict social distancing guidelines? So reducing restaurant capacity to 50% may sound like a good idea, but when you run the numbers, I think you'll find it makes no sense. Most restaurants struggle to get by when they fill all of their seats. How can they possibly expect to turn a profit when their seating is cut in half? I mean, what happens then? Does their rent get cut in half as well? Uh, probably not. Why would a restaurant owner then reopen their restaurant when they know they'll be operating at a loss until they're able to put back in the rest of their seating. That right there is the difficulty as I see it. The staff will get paid, the distributors, the purveyors, the landlord, just not the owners. And that makes no sense. And that's what I'm hearing a lot of restaurateurs talking about right now. Many of them believe they'll have to wait out until the full limits get lifted in order to reopen. And when will that be? Two months, six months, a year? No one can say. Of course, my favorite part of this whole exercise is this. Even if you take half the tables out and manage to put adequate space between tables, we still have a system in our restaurants where we have waiters flitting from table to table like little bumblebees, theoretically spreading the virus to each new table they greet. Of course, that's where I start getting creative again. I think you have to consider the idea of another pivot for your business. Go with me. The shutdown came and restaurants went to a takeout model. The next step then is for restaurants to be allowed to reopen as long as social distancing 
can be maintained. So what if your restaurant then looks a bit more like a fast food place? So a patron would come in and go up to a counter or a podium and they place their order and then they get a text when their food is ready. They go over and pick it up and and bring it back to their table. Now, you'll probably be able to save money on labor because you won't have a bunch of waiters and food runners on the floor. Or maybe there's another solution. Maybe guests place their order on their phones, almost like placing an an order on Grubhub and then then get notified when it's all ready. Or maybe it turns into a a family-style meal, so no orders are taken at all. Monday is a steak dinner, Tuesday is grilled snapper, Wednesday is a whole roasted chicken, Thursday is pasta dinner. You get the idea. When you book for a certain night, you are told what the menu is, so no one has to come take your order, just one visit when the food is dropped. The point is, I want you to stay open to the idea that you may have to pivot once more before all is said and done, before this whole crisis is over, and your solution may be something that has never been done before, or at least something that our industry has never seen. Some people will be eager to dine out again. They're going to be stir-crazy from the months of being cooped up inside, and they'll be excited to join you. But just as many people out there will be anxious about rejoining the general population. Think of the older generation or people with underlying health issues. There will be a whole chunk of the population who are going to stay home until there's a vaccine or at least a proven treatment. The months when we're first able to reopen will be very challenging, and you need to start thinking about that now. Be realistic about what that looks like, or or rather, what that could look like. Continue to be creative and put yourself in a position to succeed. Phase three, then, is the after, meaning when all the restrictions get lifted, what are we going to do to make our business more successful than ever before, more bulletproof? What will we have learned from all of this and what can we put into practice? So we can't just go back to the way things were and honestly, we shouldn't want that. I know of so many restaurants that limp along barely paying their bills. Why would any of us want to return to that? Earlier in the show, I I was saying that many experts believe one in three restaurants will close for good during this crisis, but how many of those were teetering on the edge anyway? This is our opportunity collectively as an industry I think to change the way we do business. Truthfully, the model is broken and this crisis can be the thing that forces big changes. Specifically, I want us to look at a a few key areas. Number one, labor. So I mentioned this on an episode a while back, long before the coronavirus shutdown, but it's now really coming back into focus. Restaurants, especially fine dining, need to look at their management budget. How many places out there have a GM and an AGM, plus a service director and a beverage director and a couple floor managers and a maitre d' and a sommelier and an events coordinator? Enough! If I do the quick math on that, I see a very heavy line item on my P&L. I'm urging all of my clients to look at the European model or or even the one we used to use here in the United States back in the 80s uh, where we had very little management oversight. So if you have three hundred dollars or $400,000 a year in management salaries, is it possible to cut that by 25 or 30%? I think it's not only possible, but necessary. Mark my words, this is absolutely going to happen. Yes, for some restaurants shooting for, let's say, for three Michelin stars, yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to still keep a heavy manager presence. But for most of the restaurants in this world, I think all those managers are just unnecessary. I also think about restaurants that have gone to a no-tipping model, and I've long said that this is going to be the way of the future, but I think this crisis might just be the thing that makes it a reality. Watch very closely once this thing is over, and I think you'll see a wave of new restaurants trying it. 
I think we're also going to see the lines between quick service and casual get blurred even more as owners realize that waiters aren't necessary to the success of a certain kind of business. iPads cost a couple hundred bucks and last a relatively long time. I remember back on episode number 52, I talked with Salim Khatri from, uh, from Lavu about how technology will continue to help restaurants become more profitable. And there were a bunch of great ideas we tossed around in that interview. I think many of them will become a reality after all of this. Uh, if you didn't listen to that episode, I uh, definitely recommend to Go back and check out episode number 52. So the second area I want to talk about, number two, pricing. I think we need to shift the way people think about dining out, specifically the costs associated with running a restaurant. As I mentioned just a minute ago, I think a lot of places are going to get rid of tipping. Since you'll be paying your waiters a higher hourly rate, the prices on the menu will obviously need to go up to make up for that. And I think that's a good thing. Again, I love dining out at no tipping restaurants. Uh, I like knowing that the price is what I'm going to pay. To that end, I think a lot of fine dining restaurants are going to look very, very expensive when they list each item individually. I think moving to a prefix model makes a lot more sense, meaning three courses for a set price. So instead of paying $76 for a steak, you're paying $129 for an experience, which of course is what we're selling anyway, right? You know I love saying that. Uh, The third area, number three, programming. So Pop-up restaurants were all the rage a few years ago, and then they sort of fizzled out. But I think in the wake of this crisis, they're going to make a big comeback. For those of you who have never heard the term, a pop-up restaurant is a concept that exists only for a limited time. So maybe that's Chef Amy Smith uh, serving her unique menu every Monday night throughout the summer at Restaurant X. And Chef Amy doesn't work at Restaurant X. She's simply taking over the restaurant to do her own thing. And then there's some agreement between the owner of Restaurant X and Chef Amy and her team. Sometimes she brings in her own staff. Other times she'll use the staff who work at Restaurant X. Uh, and either Chef Amy will pay a daily fee to take over the space, you know, some, some, rental, uh, some rental fee, uh, or maybe there's some split of profits. There are a bunch of different ways to make it work, but I think it's a great way for Chef Amy to start building a following. It's a great way for Restaurant X to generate a little revenue on what's typically a slower night of the week. And it's great for the guest because it's a unique experience. Here today, gone tomorrow. This kind of thing creates buzz and excitement, which is going to be really important after this whole crisis is over. I think then, as we get back to some sort of normalcy, uh, it's going to be harder than ever to fill those Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights. I think you're going to have to get creative with programming. So maybe it's a maybe it's a pop-up restaurant, um, but, but also maybe tasting menus or wine dinners or cooking classes, whatever. It was already hard enough to get people out in the beginning of the week. Just wait to see what happens now. Don't get surprised by this. Start making a plan now. Uh, I think also restaurant owners are going to have to run the numbers and figure out places where they're losing money. Yeah, you want to be open as much as possible, but if Mondays are operating at a loss, you're going to have to figure out a way to make it profitable or just cut it. Same thing with lunches and late nights. Don't just reopen your restaurant thinking it'll be fine. Plan for the worst and be pleasantly surprised if uh, if that ends up not being the case. Uh, the fourth area I want to talk about, number four, multiple revenue streams. So many of you were able to successfully pivot to takeout at the start of all this. Good for you. I hope it helped with cash flow and gave you the ability uh, to keep some people employed. Um, I hope you learned that, yes, you could do it. You could get creative and pivot to a new model. On the backside of this, though, you're going to have to continue to find ways to diversify your revenue streams. So in-store dining is just one. Takeout is two. Private dining is three. Off-site catering perhaps is four. 
What about merchandise or home delivery meal kits or wine tasting six packs or whatever? My point is, I think you should start thinking about all of the different ways you can make money. Number five, finally, your branding. And I'm not talking about your logo or the font on your menu. I'm talking about the unique product you offer and the unique connection you have with your guests, your personality, either you or your chef or your staff. What do you mean to your patrons and how do you serve them? The experience you're crafting should communicate your brand to each and every guest and turn them into evangelists for the restaurant. I feel like I talk about this all the time, but marketing of the thing can't make up for the thing. Make an incredible product that solves problems for your audience and they will thank you by returning time and time again and raving about you to their family and friends. So I have no idea when we'll get to phase three, but take the time now to get your ducks in a row. Identity is going to be even more important on the backside of this and the relationship you have with your patrons. When we settle into that new normal, authenticity will win connection will win and your ability to serve the people who so desperately need you. So your assignment this week is to come up with a plan for phase two and phase three. Just clear an hour of your day sometime this week, just one hour and start sketching out ideas. This is going to be absolutely crucial to your success down the road. I promise you we're not going to be able to return to the way things were. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in. I know it's challenging right now, but I appreciate having you guys here with me week after week. It's definitely helping me get through this quarantine. I, I hope uh, these episodes are helping you. One final reminder, of course, about the two upcoming workshops. Killer content is all about capturing great food photography and email strategy is a step-by-step -step guide for getting started with email marketing. Both courses are 50% off for all Restaurant Strategy listeners until the end of April. So that's just a few days away. If you've been on the fence, do not miss your chance here. Visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com. Click the blue button in the top right corner that says book a course. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and stay creative. 